0: you're listening to the Healing Birth with Carla podcast and I'm your host, Carla Sargent. For the past decade I've been working in the field of birth trauma support and education, utilising my background in midwifery and teaching and putting my passion for story sharing to good use. This podcast seeks to dispel common myths surrounding birth trauma and what it takes to heal. Each week we'll be spending an insightful and inspiring hour together listening to the stories of people who have journeyed from trauma to healing, and discussing the insights of birthkeepers who support others to heal. Whether you're new to the world of birth, a long-time parent, or someone who has an insatiable appetite for all things birth-related, this podcast offers hope and love, guidance and peace, as together we explore how healing our earth begins with healing birth. But before we grace your ears with today's episode, I'm going to take this opportunity to say that if you're inspired to heal with me, or to train with me, or if you have a healing story that you'd like to share on my podcast, reach out to me via my website, healingbirth.co.nz. Chelsea is a young mum of two littleies, Bindi and Wolf, and has another bud blossoming in her womb. Although she had hopes for a birthing centre water birth with her first, like so many, Chelsea found herself pushed down an interventionist path that culminated in a caesarean. In this episode of the podcast, Chelsea vulnerably shares the impacts that this experience had on her, and how determined she was to ensure her next birth was a more gentle and respectful experience. Her birth with Wolf took place at home, with midwives present. Although Wolf's birth was really empowering for Chelsea, she reflects on the many ways her experience was disturbed unnecessarily, and the effort required of her to ensure that her birth wasn't derailed by the impacts of the birth system that were playing out in her home. Now, pregnant with her third, and with the insights and wisdom gained from her previous births, Chelsea is planning a wild pregnancy and free birth. So, sit back, or put your walking shoes on and get ready to be taken on an inspirational, perhaps triggering, hopefully enlightening, and surely validating journey. So much of what Chelsea shares are experiences and feelings that many traumatised mums share with me in my work. So let's just get straight into it. I would love to hear about your journey into motherhood and how your first birth went for you
1: yeah cool thank you thank you for having me i'm excited i'm actually really excited to um share this all because it's something that i didn't realize i was passionate about until i started walking through it so yeah i'm really excited so when i first became a mum um it feels like so ages ago now like so long ago but um i was such a baby (laughs) such a baby so um I had my first daughter when I was, I had just turned 22 when I had my daughter. Um, And obviously it's a younger age, but also I think my like mindset and like knowledge and all those things were a lot younger as well. So yeah, um, I, where do I even start? Just like I had gotten pregnant in 2019 in July. Um, It was a completely like unexpected pregnancy like completely unexpected we were living at my parents and just about to turn 21 and all these things and um I ended up actually losing that baby which was so upsetting at the time I didn't even realize that was kind of what we wanted to do like that motherhood was something kind of on our radar I didn't assume that we'd probably become parents for like years and years and years and years but getting pregnant finding out about that pregnancy and then losing it kind of sparked that want not want but with my husband and I like oh maybe this is actually what we really want to do because of how devastated we were with the loss so a couple months later we fell pregnant with um, my daughter Bindi and I was just so excited like I was so 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 excited and um didn't know a lot about pregnancy or birth or anything, but my entire life I had just been obsessed with the idea of pregnancy. Like to the point, it was kind of weird. Probably like four-year-old little girl. My friend, my mum's friends were getting pregnant, and I was asking them, "What does it feel like?" And all these things. Like it was almost weird how obsessed I was. So when it was now happening to me, I was just so excited. Um, had obviously no idea what it was like to be a mum or anything, but just knew I wanted this water birth. That's all I kind of knew about it and kind of went in with this mentality of just, if I just trust that I can do it, but I don't actually do any education or research or anything, I think I can do it. Cause I really, I always believed that, you know, our bodies were designed in a way and they know how to do it. So I just thought if I'm just blindly unknowing, then it will just happen kind of thing. Um, yeah. And so that was kind of how I walked through my entire pregnancy and labour and birth with my daughter, which kind of didn't really end
0: up serving me, unfortunately. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you have midwifery care during that birth Were you being been careful by a midwife and the same midwife through your through your entire journey? Yeah, so I um well my original
1: wid- midwife that I chose she was also pregnant at the same time, so she ended up going on maternity care just before my birth and then she came back for our postnatal care and I had her like her backup for the last trimester and my labor and birth, um yeah but I just went I just went to the appointments and I just did the blood tests and took all the things that they took me, you know, and went to all the scans, and this is what you do, and what you don't do, and whatever, and I was just, okay, cool, and I was just following, I was just excited to be going to these appointments, and people know that I was pregnant, and I was just very, like, um, yeah, just really, really excited, Um, and I had this, I don't even know where I really got this idea of, like, a water birth, natural water birth from but i just had it so like that's really 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 what i want Um, but every single woman in my entire family have had either a c-section or a very heavily assisted birth so that kind of played on my mind a lot and i actually had a lot of conversations with them throughout my pregnancy of that they didn't believe that was going to really happen for me that because you know of of our family history I guess with how they birth and they just believed that was how we birth and you can't choose it it just is that's just how it is
0: um and I was yeah do you mean that they they expected that you were going to go down the same path as them yes right. yeah yeah right. And were so, you planning, like, you, you're you talking about this vision for having a water birth, in your mind at this stage, was that um, in the hospital, or in a birthing centre, or at home? So
1: it was, and I pictured it in the birthing centre, the one super local to us, um, and it's funny, because at the time, when I had said I want to birth at a birthing centre in the water, my family thought I was completely nuts, like, like. How could you do that? And it's so dangerous and all this stuff, just because obviously of their own experience. Um, but I was just super conscious of that and know like how I felt. I think I can do this. I know I'm, you know. So I just tried to protect my conversations and my energy that I was having with them, but didn't really do anything more than that. Didn't understand how birth worked or why c sections maybe happen or anything like that. I just was like, I'm not gonna talk to you about it and I'll just hope for the best kind of thing. Yeah.
0: Okay, sweet. So talk us through. Um, well, and, and I, I guess I'm interested as well that you said your initial midwife that you chose was pregnant, and you ended up having her backup. Was that? Um, uh, did you know the backup well come the time of birth? Because I think that can be um, play a really important role in in our sense of safety and you know rapport that sort of thing, um, trust and um and and yeah I'm, I'm dying to hear about how your birth unfolded. Yeah
1: totally so I didn't know her at the time that I started seeing her I think I was just heading into my third trimester but because we had so many appointments you know every two weeks and then every every week kind of at that point I knew her quite well by the time I had come up to my um my labor and birth my due date and everything like that so I was like confident that I was excited that she was going to be there and Um, that I would have my original midwife for the postnatal care because I felt like I had walked through the majority of my pregnancy with that backup because of how often we saw each other. So that was fine. Um, Yeah, but right at the end of the pregnancy, I always kind of carried small. And for some reason, like now looking back on it, for some reason they were always worried about um, how big baby was or if baby was growing properly or if they were going to be too small or all of these things. So I had... um, I had a couple of scans I think right at the end of my pregnancy which now I know maybe <laughs> we shouldn't have done that but um, yeah right at the end of my pregnancy every two weeks I think I had them and baby just kind of they had said that they kind of just stopped growing or that maybe they were starting to struggle or um, there was this story about maybe my placenta was expiring or something like this and I was only um only went to 40 40 weeks and two days. So I don't really, in hindsight, believe that to be true. Um, But obviously, a 21 year old, I was just trusting and oh my goodness, okay, let's just do whatever you think is best. You do this all the time, you must know, you know. Um, Yeah, so I had gone home after the scan and the midwife had said, oh, you know, I'll call you later on and give you the result. And pretty much she called us that evening and said, come to the hospital with your bags. we gonna just do another couple of tests and we'll probably look at inducing you, Um, which was terrifying. I was like, oh my goodness, what does this even mean? I hadn't heard of any induction stories or anything like that, so I didn't know what that looked like or how they did it or anything like this. Um, again, just like super blind to the way that the birth world works, I guess, in the hospital especially. Um, yeah so we just picked our bags and we went and they kind of like put us in so many different rooms we were in so many different rooms and just waiting like i don't even i can't even remember what the tests were that we were doing or if we even did any tests i don't think that we did any ultrasounds or anything i think it was just maybe like maybe blood work Mm -hmm. um and then they just kind of put me in these waiting rooms and changed them around all the time and my mind was obviously going wild my husband now is like what the heck is happening, all this stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. And so they after, I think we changed rooms maybe like three or four times. And they're like, Yeah, we really want to induce you. And I, I remember the room, it was absolutely horrible the room that they induced me. And there was no windows, and it was like a shared room with like six or seven other women. Um, yeah, I just remember like hating the room. Um yeah, which now I know is so important for, you know, your birth and labor, so that would have had a huge effect as well, Um, yeah, and they, they induced me, but I remember just before I had a conversation with the doctor, because the whole entire time I felt like everyone, all the, all of the staff, maybe my husband, um, you know, the midwives were worried about me, but I just didn't feel worried, I just didn't feel like there was anything going on, I didn't feel like, baby was upset or not moving or anything. Like I just felt like this is a very dramatic story and I feel okay. Um so I ended up asking the doctor, like, what happens if I go home tonight and I'll think about it. I think about if I want to be induced and then I can come back in the morning. Um and I always think back to that moment of being such a young person with not a lot of education of why I would even ask her that. Why did I even ask that why did I even think that was an option because I was so just following their lead and then all of a sudden I had this question that was kind of like against what they were saying um so that threw me and it threw them and I was just like what happens if I don't and pretty much the doctor said that my baby would die you know and I was like I just don't I just don't think this is true but we're young and we're scared and we're worried so my husband said I think we should just stay here we don't want to like put a um you know, come back in the morning and then have to wait all day for the wait list or whatever. So I was like, okay, whatever, we just did it. But I just felt like uncomfortable. I don't know if it was uncomfortable in the room or with the people or with the idea, but I just felt like, okay, I'll do this, but I don't really feel confident in doing it. Um yeah, but obviously I don't want my baby to die, right? So yeah. So we ended up doing that. I think they used a um it was like a like an insert. Like, they inserted this, like, tape into it. I can't remember exactly what it was. I think they call it a pessary. Yeah. Yeah? It was something like that. Yeah, it wasn't the balloon. That's all I know. But it was, like, they just inserted this tape. They said it was between my cervix or something like this. Um, And I didn't really feel anything all night. I stayed there by myself all night my husband went home and then about seven in the morning I just woke up to these really like strong period like cramps and I was like oh yay like I'm excited now you know we're gonna have this baby and it's it's working and I called my husband hurry up hurry up and I was so uncomfortable and I didn't know how to move or in this tiny little room and there wasn't a lot of air and everything so I was like in a lot of pain just because of how uncomfortable I was as well Um but yeah yeah so that's pretty much the start of my labor and I remember them telling me they weren't going to move me to I was still really solid on having this water birth even though we're at the hospital so they only think I think they only have one or two rooms with a Poland in Christchurch women's so they were leaving one of those rooms free for me quote unquote free for me um, and yeah they said they weren't going to move me until I was in active labour they said which was about four centimetres and at the time I had heard a lot of stories about these centimetres so I really clung tight to those how how far I was. Um, it took me a long time to get there like pretty much that whole day yeah to four centimetres I think I got it was like 6pm that night and I had been in labour pretty much all day in that tiny little room they wouldn't let me um, leave the hospital to go for a walk or anything. So they thought I was going to run away because I was asking them all these questions, you know? So, um, yeah, just in this one room all day, really claustrophobic, really uncomfortable. And my husband's just worried. He doesn't really know what's going on. And I was getting people to check me nearly every half an hour because I just wanted to move so much, which in hindsight, probably didn't help at all. Um, yeah. But they finally moved me to this room about six o'clock that evening. Um, yeah, and I was just doing all the things that I had seen, you know, I had seen on these videos that people are on the balls or that on their hands and knees, but I wasn't really listening to how my body was telling me to move or anything. I was just, I think I meant to stand like this. I think I meant to bounce on this, but I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, yeah, and again, just felt like check me, check me, check me, check me, because I just wanted to be ready. I just wanted to be ready to go. I wanted it to be over with. Um, and yeah, my, the tape ended up falling out. And then they said that was a really good sign, um, that, you know, my body had taken over and now it was in labor on its own or something. And then when we moved to this new room, it had slowed back down. So they gave me, um, I can't remember exactly what it's called, but they gave me, was it the
0: oxytocin drip or something? Yeah. And we call it syntosinin, but um, in the States, pitocin. Uh, but yes, it's synthetic oxytocin that so they give you via an IV, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I just thought, yep, cool, let's do that. It'll kick everything off. I just, I was solid on not having an epidural. I didn't want an epidural, um, but everything else is safe and everything else is fine, and, you know, this is my mindset about it. So I got hooked to everything, and then they started monitoring the baby because it had been so long and they weren't growing as per the scans blah, blah blah so it was kind of just one thing after another that I kept kind of they were doing they were telling me it was necessary and then I kept putting on myself and I was just believing that this is just how birth was and everything was okay and these people do it every day and they've obviously got my best interest you know so um yeah just kind of said yes to it all but felt this seems a bit odd this seems a bit dramatic you know um yeah so was the your midwife with you at, at this stage in the piece or were you just being for by the hospital staff yeah so she came when I moved to that um the birth like the pool room but she wasn't with me before that yeah and I just remember her she kind of just sat there and while she was taking notes we didn't really interact or anything which was fine I was in a very like thinking I'm in the zone, you know, I remember her talking to my husband a lot, but, um, yeah, otherwise, she was just taking notes and stuff, and she'd only check me when I asked her to, which was probably every half an hour, <laughs> um, yeah, silly, silly, but that's okay, um, yeah, and then, so, I think after a while, if I remember correctly, the contraction just started slowing down, and I have these moments throughout, my labor even when I think back on it now of it's very like bitsy like all these puzzle pieces that I don't really know what order they came in but I remember a lot of doctors or nurses or maybe it's the new shift worker or something coming in and they always requesting to check me um, and they always ask me to lie down on my back on the bed and they're going to have a look even though they could just read the notes from five minutes before or whatever and I remember feeling these new people come in and I kind of just gave up I remember my body feeling like I was giving up on my sense of privacy of like I'm not really in control anymore and I'm just gonna let whatever happens happens and I think I think if I really think about that the fact that my body kind of gave up was almost like I just let go of everything and it wasn't really trying anymore you know really trying to like work with my body I was just like it's beyond my control I don't know what's going on yeah so I remember these people walking in and every single one of them looking at the clock just over my head every time and it was such a really stood out to me that everyone's timing me and like I've got to hurry up and you know and it was kind of a let's go let's go why she's still here and hearing them talk about me and hearing them talk about even how young I was and yeah there was all these random things going on like these different factors and obviously being in labour that's such a sensitive um, headspace that you're in and I just felt like there was a lot of things being messed with that um yeah they ended up telling me I couldn't get in the water they filled it up fully and it felt like it took forever to fill up. as she finally turned off the um the tap and then she said I couldn't get in the water because baby was stressing out or whatever. Yeah. We just felt like that it was almost happening to us, but neither my husband nor I knew really knew what was going on. And my husband also came from a family of a lot of C-sections and I had this in my mind of this is going to happen to me too. And yeah, my body just kind of disconnected from what was happening. And um, we just wrote
0: it out for the rest of the time, really yeah yeah it's interesting when you talked about um you that you just kind of gave up and you surrendered and I was thinking yeah different sort of surrender right like we hear this word surrender a lot um when it comes to birth and the importance of surrendering to the process but you weren't surrendering to your body you were surrendering to the authority to the the power of the Uh, the system that was at play and um, yeah, that giving up wasn't a, um, wasn't a a giving in to your body's wisdom and urges, but rather giving up of any sense of self-empowerment of I can do this, my body is made for this, Um, rather it was like I'm handing this over to these people who know more than me clearly, Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I just, yeah, I really just felt like I even, the way I then positioned my body, I sat back down on the bed and kind of was just like, I'm just going to wait. And I know that what I'm doing isn't optimum for labor, but I just don't feel like this is right. And I just don't feel like this is going as it should. And I also feel like it's too long, like we've gone on too long for it to kind of unwind anything or stop anything, you know. I think I did actually ask my midwife during it, like, can we just stop like take all this medicine out and can i just go home and just just wait for it to start itself and she was like you know it's too far it's too deep you know um baby's already thinking that this is happening and Yeah, I remember this one point I was just, I wasn't, I was completely over it. I think it had been over 24 hours now that I was in labor, I was completely over it. And I just, I can't remember if I felt the urge to push or I just wanted to push so badly. So I remember pushing and I don't know if it was a instinctual thing or I just wanted to be over Um, And I just felt like I'm I'm in so much pain, the contractions feel different, and I just want to push. And my midwife checked me while I'm doing that. Um, And seemingly, there was a story about having a cervical lip, and so she told me to stop pushing and do anything in my power to not push so that I could dilate further, which is, yeah, if you've ever been in that urge of pushing and then trying to fight, that's almost impossible. So... Yeah, just again, being super uncomfortable and going against what I think my body is telling me and having to wait for this lip to disappear or whatever. So, and it didn't, I just didn't. And then I kind of started shrinking back down centimeters wise and yeah. And then I just kind of accepted what that story was going to be and was just, just heartbroken, just really heartbroken because I think I was attaching myself to proving my family right you know I didn't want to do what everyone said I was going to do I didn't want to have that story that everyone had said oh you shouldn't birth at the unit or are you sure you want to do the water because this is usually what happens in birth and I just wasn't open to accepting that and then fouling like feeling like that was happening I just yeah I was just heartbroken by it but I I knew baby was fine I could tell baby was fine even though this wasn't the story that they were telling me yeah
0: do you understand now about the the body closing back down like that like you talked about you know the centimeters started getting less so your cervix is closing up and you understand now presumably that that was your body trying to protect your baby from being born um into a a space where you clearly felt unsafe you know this is this is the body trying to protect you. It's not the body letting you down. And, and I I just, um, I raise this now because I know there'll be plenty of listeners who have had the experience of, you know, being told they were failing to progress. And that being the reason why various interventions or caesarean was kind of um, suggested. Um, and, and that word failure, we cling on to it. And we can often believe that that's about um. Our inability to birth without medical interference, where actually the opposite is true. You know, it's it's the interference, the things that are getting in the way of us being able to just follow our body's cues and messages. And um, and that that causes all this fear that the body then says, Well, clearly now is not a safe time to, to birth a helpless little infant um into the world. You know, there's a danger in our space. And um And and rather than, within the kind of medical model, rather than recognizing that very, very important and clear link between um, what's going on in our minds, the degree of fear we're experiencing or the degree of safety, um, and just how impactful that is on our physiology, um, instead of recognizing that and going, okay, she's not feeling safe, how can we support her to feel safe? there's just this, uh, going to override, right? We're going to force this labour to continue. So we're going to turn up that centosin in or we're going to start it. Um, or we're going to, you know, pull this baby out. Uh, so, so, yeah, I'm just kind of adding that in there. Um, at the time, I'm sure it very much felt like your body was failing you. Um, kind of knowing a little bit more of your story, I'm sure you've kind of recognised and come to a place of... Um, of knowing that it wasn't your body failing you at all. But... And I think
1: um I think because cause I remember being so solid on the fact that I know baby's okay. Mm-hmm. And I felt like connected to baby the whole time. It was just almost my body and then what was happening outside of my body that was I was disconnecting from. Um, yeah. And looking back on it, I had was trying to tell myself, you know, these people are here for me. These these people are helping me, these people have my best interest, but my animal body doesn't know that, and I can't lie to my animal body, so um, yeah, my cervix closing back up and going, this isn't the best time, wasn't fitting for the medical timeline that they had set for me, but um, yeah, I was just trying to get my baby safe, and uh, yeah, I do remember when they came in and, and were talking about, okay, we're going to have to have a C-section, I remember them saying failure to progress, and it was like, it stood out, like failure, 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 and that's all I could think, and I felt like I didn't, I did, I did get to those centimeters, I did get, I did this labor, and, you know, the, the other lady had told me that the, Um, induction kicked off natural labour and that I was doing it so when I had this failure written on my notes it just it really bothered me and um, my husband kept telling me like let it go (laughs) that if it was just an ego thing and you know I'm just too proud or you know I don't want to have these labels but it was just I just felt like I had done so much mental and physical work in such a rollercoaster way to then be listed as failure. I was just really bothered by it. So yeah, I remember that um, Must maybe it was the per- the midwife in charge of, of the hospital or it was the person who does the epidural, but they came in multiple times telling me this is happening, um, this is the time we can fit her in, <laughs> you know, like this is the next C-section time all the other ones coming in a uh, very emergency, so she can wait. Um, this is the time we're doing it. And I just keep trying to push it off. Like what if we just wait one more hour or can we just see how, what, what my body will do in another half an hour. And I was just so, I was lying down on my back and not actively moving my body, but I just didn't want that C-section so much. Yeah. So keep pushing it back, keep pushing it back, keep pushing it back. Um, questioned nearly every single person that came in if it was really necessary and what's going to happen and obviously I then ended up having to get the epidural um for the c-section so yeah it was just like a lot of um I don't remember seeing a lot but I just remember hearing a lot and fearing feeling a lot of voices and different hands and people telling me you're not doing it right and this is what we're doing now to take over because um essentially there's a there's a timer on my room you know so
0: yeah yeah. what was that c-section experience like for you in those first moments meeting your baby so i was um really out of it
1: by then like i was i had had nearly every single drug that they could give me um just um like, I had had the morphine, had the gas, I think there was something else they had given me, and an epidural as well. So, I was just exhausted and quite, on, you know, on these drugs. So, I was very out of it. Um, I remember at one point telling my husband, I think I'm dying. Like, I think I'm dying. But I wasn't upset by it. I was like, it's okay. And I just feel yeah and you should have seen his face (laughs) obviously he's terrified um but I was just so out of it so out of it and I would I think looking back on it, I really would have appreciated if they put on my um notes maternal exhaustion for c-section rather than failure to progress because I think that at the end of the day was was what happened um yeah, so yeah, they they wheeled me. I don't remember a lot, but I remember them wheeling my in me in and constantly asking when my husband is coming, when is he coming? When can he come in? Because he not they don't let them go in first or something, something to do with the um health and safety or something like that. So they wheeled me in first and got me set up and then he came in later. And yeah, I don't remember a lot. Like I don't remember a lot at all. I knew that we were having a girl. I felt a lot of tugging and i believed that i could feel them um, like cutting the incision but i think that was just a story i was telling myself because i was so upset about it because they um yeah they put the epidural drug or whatever up as high as they possibly could so that i wasn't feeling it and i still told them that i did but i think that was just a story i was telling myself um yeah so it was a lot of pulling and tugging and I don't really understand what was going on. I'm just looking at my husband and I'm crying a lot. And then they held the baby up. Um, And I remember like being like, wow, that's our baby. Like, I can't believe we have created her, but she looked scared. So that really, yeah, that really bothered me. And then obviously they ship her away to the table and they're stitching me up. And I was just trying to look over at her. I remember looking over to my right, on the table where she is I can see her little arm wriggling off the side and my husband's over there shaking like a leaf like oh my goodness my dad now you know um, and actually the doctor walked right in front of me while I'm um, looking at my daughter and my husband and he said well um, make sure you don't get pregnant for another 18 months and that was I was like I haven't even met my daughter yet you mm. know and now he's telling me that I can't get pregnant and yeah, so it was just a it was just a ride the whole time, and I just felt completely out of control, and just that this situation was happening to us, and um, just had this longing for my daughter, had this longing like give her back to me, and I felt like we had had a situation or experience stolen from us a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it really bleed through into my um, postpartum with her, and even still to this day, how I mother her now, it's really. I don't want anyone else to do
0: it so yeah yeah, yeah. um when you say it bleeds through into your postpartum experience is there anything that particularly stands out that you'd like to share around what you're getting at there um that perhaps listeners might relate to or appreciate kind of hearing
1: yeah so um obviously my recovery was a lot longer than um a usual birth, like a textbook birth, because of the labour and the c-section, so I, just the physical things, like I struggled to pick her up and to walk and things like that, so obviously that was really difficult, I felt like I couldn't do a lot for her, Um, and then so when I struggled with breastfeeding her as well, I felt like this is the only thing that I physically can do for her and I still can't really, and so that really bothered me, yeah and now looking back on it maybe probably most likely the labor and the um delivery impacted why i was so um disconnected from her i didn't have a problem with the milk supply but it was just getting her on there and feeling connected to her um yeah i felt for a long time like i was looking after someone else's baby and i remember telling a lot of people that that i was looking after this baby and like i like her but um it doesn't feel like my own flesh and blood that I didn't have that um you know huge oh my goodness I love this child for her and so that again made me feel like a horrible mother. Um but yeah just realizing that actually that was my hormones and things got messed with and that's why. But um yeah I think it was I remember like to the day it was like she was three months old and I was bouncing her to sleep one time. This really stands out and she I realized, oh my goodness, I've never told this baby that I love her, ever, in her whole three months of life, you know, and so, yeah, still talking about that makes me really emotional, but I was just so disconnected from her for such a long time, um, that when I told her, I I just burst into tears, and yeah, I just really held her close since then, because I feel like I don't want anyone else to, to mess with our relationship and to mess with her bond you know because I think that that
0: really got stripped off at the start yeah thank you so much for that vulnerable share because I know without a shadow of doubt that so many people who hear this story are going to relate to that exact experience and I heard you say that you knew it was you know that it was you know hormonal and that you'd it was because of your experience. Did you know that at the time? Or did you just think this is just another example of how I'm a failure? Um, and if, if it was the, you know, if you did um, have that sort of latter experience of, um, I just feel like a failure, at what stage in the piece did you learn that this is a normal response to what you had been put through in your birth experience?
1: Um, Well, it was really interesting because obviously a lot of the women in my family had a similar story. When I shared with them how I was feeling, they told me that was just normal because maybe they had had the same experience. Um, There were a couple of people that talked about how amazing birth was and how much they loved labour and, you know, that feeling you have when you first hold your baby. And I, you know, without offence, just thought they were like, weird you know I was like oh that doesn't happen because this is what I'm being told and this is how I feel um yeah but I just always felt like there was something not missing between Bindi and I but just like yeah that we had been ripped off and I knew that it didn't I knew for some reason it didn't have to feel like that and so I made a really biggie fit of never letting her go like you ask anyone in my family I didn't let her be babysat I think she was nearly two by the time she got looked after for an hour by someone else um yeah co-slept breastfed on demand for two and a half years Some she still sleeps in my bed sometimes now and I just was so attached to this I'll do anything that she's telling me she needs because I feel like we didn't get to have that right at the start mm. yeah
0: so what work did you do to heal from that birth experience I mean you had this vision for birth for yourself um, and it went nothing like that Mm -hmm. Uh, so kind of at what stage in the piece I guess did you realize that what you went through wasn't okay that you you deserved healing and how did you go about that healing process I know that you know you got pregnant again as well I'd love to hear um, yeah how you journeyed through setting yourself up for a different experience next time as well
1: Yeah, um, I don't exactly know how I knew that VBAC was a thing because I didn't know anyone who had had a VBAC. I think I must have heard it. I joined a lot of, like, mum Facebook pages and co-sleeping pages and breastfeeding pages and things and trying to get help and stuff. So maybe it was through that that I saw someone talk about a VBAC. Um, But I remember asking my midwife on – like, my six-week appointment when she discharged Bindi and I, if she thinks I could, um, have her be back, if she thinks I could, and she thought, oh, okay, like, this is very strange, this lady's six weeks postpartum, and crying every single time I see her, and now she's asking about her next baby, but (laughs) anyway, um, yeah, she said, I, I think that you definitely could, there's not like a um, you know, you got to the eight centimetres or whatever, and I think maybe if you weren't induced or whatever, she said, yeah, I definitely think you could, um, so that kind of, like, I just thought about that a lot, like, I thought about that, and I actually remember telling my husband on the way, maybe I was during, during my first pregnancy, I remember telling him, if this birth goes okay, I think next time I could home birth, which is random, so I I felt like I needed to almost qualify for a home birth, like, if I can birth okay, I can birth at home, which now I know isn't the case, but, um, yeah, I felt like I had to qualify for a safe birth, and so, yeah, I heard this VBAC, I think I was following this lady on Instagram, she did, like, birth photos, I think her name's, like, yeah, I can't even remember her handle anymore, which is such a shame, but it's, like, a New Zealand birth photography page and uh, her stories one time she was talking about a VBAC she was talking about how she had had two VBACs or something and I messaged her and saying um how did you do it like like she was just going to give me the the manual or tell me exactly how to do it or something um but she re- directed me to this VBAC New Zealand Facebook page or something like that which I joined and then posted on there something about um is there any thing that I can do to helped me have a VBAC. I wasn't even pregnant or anything at all at this time, I was just thinking about an ex-baby, I think maybe Bindi was eight or nine months or something, um, yeah and asked like is there a midwife in my area that specializes on home birth or how do I know if I can home birth or if I can VBAC or any of these things um, and there was this lovely woman, I'm not sure if I can say her name or
0: anything. <laughs> If she's but, a lovely woman and you're saying beautiful things about her, I'm sure she won't want her name being mentioned.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so her name's um
0: Kristen White. Oh yeah. Mama Rise. She's, on she's been interviewed on on my podcast. Yes. Yeah. yeah, Kristen will yeah. have no problem with you sharing her
1: name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, she's amazing. She's so amazing. And so she actually commented on my Facebook page on my Facebook post um, about how she had had a similar experience or something, and I thought, oh, okay, and she said something about how she, um, posts educational information, so I just, um, searched her name on Instagram and, like, stalked her, like, stalked her so much, and then she actually, Fellow followed my page from that and on my page I still actually have it saved I have my birth story with Bindi like written out and in, in a highlight on my Instagram so she had written that um read that sorry and so it's interesting reading it now because at the time that I wrote it I wrote it in a very dramatic way and also um created what I wanted to be true about you know the hospital saving my baby and I'm glad that this happened even though it wasn't what I wanted and I knew that not to be true at the time, but I just was writing what I wanted, it, you know, how I wanted to feel. So that, you know, when my friends were reading my birth story, they didn't feel like I felt any shame about it, even though I did. Um, Yeah, so that's still up there. If if anyone reads that now, it's interesting to read it, how I wrote it at the time compared to now how I see it.
0: So A lot, doesn't it, about what we believe about ourselves in relation to our traumatic birth so often and you know you use the word shame and yes there is so much guilt and shame um tied up in many people's traumatic births um stories Mm. yeah
1: yeah yeah it's yeah I remember writing it and thinking um oh I'll just say I'm happy and I'll just say that this was the best outcome and I had had a lot of other friends have c-sections at the time say similar things so I didn't want to upset anyone or anything but now looking back at that I can just see that I was trying to make it okay but I why wasn't yeah so anyway she had read that story and um she reached out to me through there now that she had a full picture of what happened during my um labour and birth and she said that she was more than willing to kind of um Not educate me on it, but suggest things of why this led to this, and you know, maybe the induction didn't need to happen, maybe it did, you know, or how the induction can then lead to C section and kind of break it down. And she was so careful about not upsetting me because I know um, that's a really sensitive story and topic, and a lot of people aren't willing to kind of unpack that but I was just so interested in this and be back and everything so I said yes give it to me like share everything don't hold back or anything so yeah we had a lot of back and forth um throughout my I eventually got pregnant with my son Wolf um I think Bindi was 15 months old when I got pregnant with him so yeah so um yeah we had a lot of back and forth about back and I learned that um, the best possible place to achieve a VBAC was at home which was so like terrifying for my husband at the time he trusted me and he thought oh yeah like I'm gonna do what she wants to do because it's her birth but you know we've just come out of this c-section story and now I want to just do that at home and he's thinking oh my goodness no way um, yeah but he was open to learning and I was educating him nearly every single day. We were having t- hour, two hour long conversations about, you know, um, the birth hormones and what um, really enables them and helps them to thrive and why I think this and really unpacked the story of what Bindy's birth I believe to be and then actually what it may have been truthfully that maybe there was, um, Yeah. Yeah, just that there was a bit of a rush on it and that they were just trying to push me through and um, that the induction may not have had to happen and that the induction didn't need to happen which is why my body didn't go into labor and then that messed with the hormones of breastfeeding and postnatal connection and all of these things you know and so I was just like obsessed with educating myself about it and was really confident in my home birth. like I was really really confident and again, my entire family obviously thought I was completely nuts <laughs> they yeah I thought it was really dangerous and that I was crazy for wanting that um, yeah, but I knew with the information that I had um, learned specifically about how the hormones work together, in a safe environment, in, um, you know, dark settings with people that are familiar, with smells that are familiar, that um, that's how birth really thrives. And yeah, I, I, re- I don't know if it's, it's kind of not related, but I think it's really fun to share. I remember learning that it's actually illegal to induce cows because it messes with their milk so much. And I remember um, someone else telling me about, you know, if a, an animal in a zoo or something goes into labour, you leave it alone because, you know, these people are so aware of how interference and induction and intervention by other people that aren't familiar to these animals can mess with it, but yet it's okay for humans. So I thought that was really interesting. And, yeah, it was just, I was just obsessed with learning about how these hormones
0: thrived when when no one touched us. So, yeah. Um, it's absolutely relatable those those um things that you learned that you just shared with us uh because we are animals we are mammals and um those same things apply to us you know if we're induced it does mess with our milk supply uh if yeah if we are feeling scared, observed, watched um with expectation, you know you talked about noticing that every, doctor or midwife that walked in the room and was assessing your progress was looking up at the clock above your head every time uh, you know this is yeah this is going to be fear inducing it's going to to cause us to um doubt ourselves or to put pressure on ourselves to perform and likewise for you know that fear that animals experience um and you know when they're being um observed in birth by humans, or or that we experience as humans, that fear is going to impact the physiology, it's going to impact those hormonal flows, it's going to put you into fight, or flight and or freeze because we can't fight and we can't flee in birth. Um, and that's going to slow your progress. That's going to stop you from being able to do what your body is designed to do to get your baby born. It's going to increase your sense of pain um, or your level of pain. It's going to increase the likelihood of your baby getting distressed. There's all these flow-on effects. So safety that you learned happens When you are in a space where you feel, um, you know, where there's dim lights, where there's not these prying eyes, where you feel like it's your space, which for most people that's in their home, um, is so key to supporting our physiology as mammals. Who, you know, for the huge majority of us, shouldn't require any interventions in order to um, get our babies safely born. Yeah. And not just safely born, but born with maximum reward for mum and baby as well. Um, I just want to come back to you saying that uh, Kristen's from Mama Rise, uh, and I will um, link her, uh, her work in the in the uh, podcast show notes um, for anybody who wants to follow her. She um, So she has a particular interest in... Uh, and VBAC and getting, you know, getting word out there a, a, about um, how to, you know, successfully be VBAC essentially um, and to dispel a lot of the myths that exist around, uh, around birth and VBAC. Um, so she, yeah, she does that. She's now a doula um, and she also did my healing birth practitioner training. So she she's got those skills to work with people around who have experienced a traumatic birth, helping them to unpack that story. And it sounds like she was a really key part for you and on your healing journey and, and in that preparation for um, Wolf's birth. Is there any, yeah, was there any, is there any other tools or resources or anything that stands out to you in particular that, was helpful for you in and setting yourself up for this for the for wolf spurs
1: yeah so i did i just love the way that she um really can articulate she calls it the hormone cocktail or something like this like the birth cocktail or something just the way that she can articulate that is so easily understood um and i remember we did her VBAC workshop, she has like a VBAC workshop that she does every six months or something, And my husband and I watched that together, and I felt like I knew everything that she was talking about, because I had stalked her so much, you know, but it was really good for my husband to understand, this isn't just something that Chelsea is like stubborn and wants to do, it's actually backed by, you know, physiological birth, this is how birth works, Um, yeah, so that was really cool, that was really, really cool, and I was just excited to do that, and I also felt like birthing at home um we didn't really have to tell anyone that I was in labor because no one would have to go and look after my daughter um we wouldn't have to find care for our pets or you know and also so it really could be like a special little time and like a not a secret but just that really could be um protected because my you know my family was messaging my husband a lot throughout the process of my daughter's birth so even felt like there was time pressure or prying eyes on me through a phone you know so I didn't have that this time um yeah and just it was really it was just really special when I loved how my husband felt um you know the midwives were coming into his space rather than in the hospital he was kind of just the extra and he was kind of not getting in the way but he didn't know what to do um so now this you know at home he was inviting the people into his space and this is my wife and my home and my baby and this is where you find the pots and you know he was kind of in control so that kind of gave him a really good um sense of belonging and like purpose within the birth as well which i think was really important so yeah i just i just really dived into um how birth works how birth works like that's and anytime anyone asks me or suggests something I always say figure out learn how birth works like with the hormones and what enables those hormones because I think once knowing that I always had this doubt of is my body actually capable of doing this process but once I understood how it does work I it was harder to doubt it Um, yeah and I set up really pretty lights and had like this birth affirmation board and I looked at lots of pictures of it sounds a bit crazy but I looked at lots of pictures and um, of natural birth of like seeing that so it didn't feel scary or oh my goodness what is happening to this woman or I looked at lots of calm births or lots of home births I didn't watch all the dramatic hospital stories or yeah it was really like particular about the things that I was watching and consuming um to support my mental space and and that as well but
0: yeah amazing I I don't know if you have any particular resources that you want to share um but in terms of learning that physiology which I agree is so key to helping you to feel safe and to trust your process and to believe in your ability to birth without outside interference and to learn the ways that you can support that physiology and, you know, work through the challenges um, that birth uh, brings in, in terms of, you know, pain and intensity and uh, those sorts of things. Um, I love Sarah Buckley's work. So she's got a book called Gentle Birth, Gentle Mothering. She's also, um, her website is a wealth of knowledge as well, Um And... I love Rachel Reed's work. So she's got a book as well, Reclaiming Childbirth as a Rite of Passage. She does have an online course that you can do called um, The Physiology of Childbirth, which um, is, is an excellent resource. Um, and yeah, I love that you said you were really mindful of what you were consuming in terms of the sorts of birth stories you were um, listening to or reading about or watching. Um, yeah, I I found reading positive birth stories back when I was pregnant a long time ago and there wasn't the, the social media, so there wasn't as many videos and that to watch, um hugely helpful. Uh and yeah, and I compiled a book of New Zealand home birth stories myself for this reason. So that there was these stories of positive and empowering birth. Um, without any unnecessary medical interventions kind of that you come across, you know, you're not going to read in, in my book, Where the Heart Is, um, you're not going to read stories where it's like, and then the midwife turned up and told us we were five centimetres dilated, you know, because, well, why was that a giant exam, examination happening in the first place? Um, so, yeah, so Where the Heart Is, I love my my book as a resource for people who want to hear um, or read stories like the ones that you were describing um but is there any yeah any resources that you found particularly helpful or was it just a plethora of you know um online pages and obviously Kristen's work
1: yeah it was very heavily Kristen's work I think she did refer me also to a couple of um Sarah Buckley's podcasts I think I heard um yeah yeah it was just like filling myself with confirmation that this is actually what my body is built for and has all these things to be able to birth, Um, yeah, which I I didn't know, I didn't believe to be true, I thought birth was such a mechanical, um, you know, hospitalised thing but yeah, just really filling myself with positive birth stories, even if they weren't home births, even if they weren't VBACs. I never had ever heard a positive birth story before my daughter. I They had always been dramatic and they'd always been traumatic and something happened that someone didn't want. And so I just thought that was normal. And the people that didn't have that, like, I wasn't angry at them, but I did get jealous. You know, I did feel like, oh, you're just lucky. and But without actually realizing that they didn't put themselves in these positions or whatever so um yeah now now i definitely don't think they're lucky that is my biggest pet when someone says that about birth now but um yeah yeah just really being mindful and um what you're watching and who you're surrounding yourself with and if maybe there's a conversation that was often conversations throughout my pregnancy with wolf of dramatic births with my family um just really like Putting a boundary in and cutting that conversation off and being like, you know, I understand that that's your story and I appreciate you sharing that with me, but I just don't want to hear about it right now. Maybe we can talk about it after I've had my son, you know? um Yeah, just because I was very heavily pregnant by that time and didn't want anything kind of creeping in there. So,
0: yeah. Did you have the same midwives that you had with uh, Bindi's birth or did you choose differently
1: this time? So, I had the same original midwife. Her backup that um, had delivered, well, been there for B's delivery, for Bindi's delivery, um, no longer practiced. She was doing something else, but um, so she had a different backup. But I chose the same original, mm-hmm. um, yeah, which is as funny. Now I can dive into the birth story or something. Yeah, please. Uh, yeah, dive in. Yeah, it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, she was on. Um, her weekend off or something again, you know, like, of course, that's how it works, which is fine. Um, but I had this like story for myself that because I went two days overdue with Bindi and then never went into natural labor on my own, that I just thought I was going to be one of those women who's pregnant for like 45, 46 weeks or something. So I really had this idea of that I was never going to go into labor. Um, which I was okay with. I keep saying, like, I'm happy to be pregnant for 50 weeks, you know. Maybe I wouldn't have been at the time, but I just didn't want anyone to touch me. Um, yeah, so I went into labor actually, like, the day before. Yeah, the day before I was 38 weeks which was totally unexpected, like I really did not see that coming, and I had, um, I had taken my daughter with a friend to Chipmunks on the Wednesday, so I had Wolf on the Friday, had took my daughter to Chipmunks on the Wednesday with a friend, and um, it was normal, fine, everything was fine, and um, during our play I like had to run to the bathroom and I like throw up everywhere it like everywhere it was revolting like all over the bathroom it was a little bit crazy (laughs) Um, but I was like, oh, that's weird. And I knew that that sometimes will happen before you're about to go into labor because your body's focusing on where your energy needs to be and, you know, getting rid of anything else. Um, But I was just like, oh, wow, I'm so early. Like, it's not going to happen for me. So I was a bit in denial about it. Um, Yeah, carried on as normal. So it was all day Wednesday. I carried on. I had gone to my dad's house um, for dinner that night. And, you know, I had felt, I had started to feel these little, like, niggles but they weren't any stronger than a regular period cramp so I was like "No, nah, this can't be labor like it's not even as bad as a period you know so I was like no 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 and so all day Thursday my father-in-law had come over and no one knew anything was happening because I was again saying no this isn't happening this isn't happening um this can't be it it feels so not easy but like I expected it to be a lot bigger um yeah and I went to even like um I was not like a marching team at the time, so I had gone to the marching training that night and they really started to, I noticed every time I left the house that the cramping calmed down, knowing that my body is going, oh, this isn't as safe. So I'm like, oh, if I just keep going out, it won't happen. <laughs> so, yeah, I was like, oh, just keep going out, keep going out. And I went to this marching training and it didn't slow down like at all. And so now I'm on the other side of town with my daughter. My husband's at, like he worked a night shift at the time. I was like, oh, goodness, how am I going to get home? Like, I'm quite (laughs) uncomfortable. I don't want to tell anyone here that I think I might be in labor. Um, My daughter's wide awake. (laughs) So I'm like, okay. So I kind of just put her into the car and was kind of moving around, like, oh, you know, oh, like moving every now and then. Like, that's a little bit harder to get through without anyone noticing, but just kind of carrying on. Um, Put her into bed as soon as we got home, made it home. That was fine. Um, Put her into bed as soon as we got home. And then was like, I'm just going to go to sleep like, I'm going to go to sleep, Um, if this is it, I'm going to go to sleep, and I text my husband, saying, like, I think I might be in labor, but probably not, so just keep, like, keep working, it's fine, jumped into bed, um, and it just went for it, like, it really ramped up, and it was like, okay, like, you know, her daughter's asleep, she's at home, everything's safe, let's go, and I was like, no, like, oh my goodness, I'm so tired, and, you know, so I got my little combs, had learned about, like, you know, um, refocusing the pain. Like, so I had, was squeezing combs in my hand to kind of distract myself, and it just wasn't working. So I ended up calling my husband, saying, Yeah, I think it's time that you come home. And he was so excited. I remember listening to him through the phone walk around the workshop, telling all his mates, I'm going to go home now. My, my wife's having a baby, and all this stuff. So it was really exciting. Um, yeah, and because I had been in labor for so long with my daughter, we assumed it would just be the same. And so he kind of got home and was like, oh, yeah, we'll have like a day or two together to just hang out. Um, Yeah, and I could hardly speak. Like, I was just like, really, they were really coming in strong. And I was really working with them and couldn't talk through them or anything. So I said, I think I just want you to call the midwife um, in case, just see what she thinks. Like, she'll know if I sound ready to give birth or if I've got ages um and he was like what like oh really you know like he's oh my goodness okay okay look this is completely different and our daughter's asleep down the hall so it's like oh okay so yeah we called her and I was telling her the story of no, you can stay home I feel fine like I'm fine I'm fine and she was like there's no way that you're (laughs) that you're not giving birth in the next couple of hours so she came over but it was our um the backup midwife again because it was my other midwife's um, weekend off or something so there was I hadn't met this lady before that had come over which is it's interesting because I think as a whole birth um wolf's birth was really healing and like the perfect birth to follow Bundy's but there was a lot of things throughout it that now looking back on hindsight I go oh that was what I was doing, or that's what was happening, or that's why this happened, you know, whatever, so, um, yeah, which is, you know, we can talk about that, and as it comes through, but, yes, this lady showed up, and I haven't met her before, so she doesn't really know my desires, or sperm boundaries about what I do and don't want throughout my um, birth. So she asked me um if she could check how far along I was and it was something that I was really specific on my entire pregnancy with my midwife, telling her I didn't want any VEs, I like, vaginal examinations whatsoever. Like at any point I didn't want them. And so she kept asking me, like, can I just check? Can I just see how far you are? Can I do you know and I said no. And I actually remember like I'm in the lounge on this um yoga ball, and I remember getting up, and my husband tells me that I swore at her, but I don't remember swearing at her, (laughs) so I don't know if that was just me in the birth zone, you know, but I remember um, getting up and walking past her, and I feel like I've got like a, almost like a hat on, like everything's dark, and I'm just I feel, it sounds so crazy, but I feel like an animal, you know, like I'm just moving, like, and I'm just like, don't touch me, and I'm doing this, and I'm in my zone, and it was completely different, because I hadn't experienced um, a natural labour before, I had only experienced an induced labour, so it was painful, but a different kind of pain, yeah, I really feel like the induced labour that I had with Bindi was it was like it was happening to me it was like a broken arm like it was painful and I just wanted it to stop or is this this pain this contraction that I was experiencing with wolf I was like almost hungry for it and like working with it and like felt powerful and like yes this is happening and this is what I've read about and it's my body's really doing it and I was almost excited for the next contraction even though it was really painful so that was really interesting but yeah so I remember standing up and walking past her seemingly I swore at the midwife but I don't remember saying that um and I locked myself in the the toilet like so no one could get me like locked myself up sitting on the toilet backwards so I'm facing like the wall um what is it, yeah, you know what I mean, I'm sitting backwards on the toilet, and I just hung out there, I just hung out there the whole time, pretty much, and, um, yeah, they kept walking past, and asking things, and telling me things, and I was trying to fill up the, we had a birth pool, and then we didn't check that, so if you guys are having a home birth, and, um, have a birth pool. make sure that you check how to use it, or that it works beforehand, because we didn't, and then we ran out of hot water, and we couldn't get it to work, and whatever, so there was no pool. then we tried the bath, and we ran out of hot water, trying to fill that up as well, so that's a whole other story, but um, yeah, I just kept hearing these voices walking past me, not like, I don't believe that they were trying to scare me, but because I'm in such a sensitive zone, everything they were saying was just messing with me and I was just like get away get away get away like I don't want to hear your story you can talk about this outside you can talk about this with my husband with the other midwife but I don't want to be part of it um yeah so I kept trying to lock them out I just remember keep trying to move people away and be in my zone and I was just riding this toilet every contraction and I was like loving it like I really was loving it um I used um clary sage like essential oil as well um uh, for the pain which was amazing like I was amazed at how well that worked so that was incredible as well and yeah so yeah the combs I had a tens machine for a little bit and then the clary sage but that was the only kind of pain left that I used so that was amazing um, yeah, and so my original midwife shows up, and I think she wanted to just check how baby was doing, I guess, because I had had a previous C-section that's, like, kind of protocol, is that they check how baby's doing, or whatever, so she kept telling me she wanted to, and I kind of kept saying no, um, and then she ended up just with, like, a little Doppler, like, it was quite non-invasive, but I was still aware of her in my space, so I was a little bit annoyed, um, Yeah yeah, so she, she checked, baby's fine, it's fine, whatever, and I knew baby was, I keep telling her I know baby's fine, and she's, oh, okay, jealous, whatever, um, yeah, so then I felt this very, um, big, like, not to push, but just like, there's something coming, you know, there's really something coming, and so I just really felt that and worked with it, and then my waters, like, exploded into the toilet, which I was so excited about, because I didn't really know when or if my waters exploded or or broke or whatever with um, my daughter, and I was like, oh, I felt it, like, heard it in the toilet, and it was the big gush, like, on the movies, and you're like, yay, my body's doing it and all this stuff, so that was really exciting, Um, and yeah, and I remember feeling, okay, this is, it feels really different now, the label is feeling really different, because obviously baby's head's, like, down, and there's nothing in between, um, like, any sponginess between us, so it's really, like, okay, we're about to go, Um, and yeah, my midwife asked if she could check the waters, just to check, like, you know, that she's just doing her job, Um, and they were, like, a tiny bit green, she said, or they had, like, a little bit of a yellow fluid through it, but nothing that again obviously I'm not a professional but nothing that I was worried about and so they were kind of again telling me the story of oh maybe baby's done poos or maybe there's a bit of meconium or maybe baby's starting to get stressed out but I was just so like no I'm not like don't I'm not going anywhere don't tell me the story I know baby's fine um which I think annoyed them a little bit but um my husband just, again, thought I was being stubborn or something. But I was like, I know that baby's okay. Like, I know that whatever's in the waters is okay. I just felt like I wasn't worried, you know. Um, Yeah, so I'm now trying to push on the toilet. And they had put, like, a towel in between the toilet so that if I did push baby out, it didn't fall into the bowl. <laughs> but I was just, I don't want to come out. I don't want to come out. I don't want to come out. And they said, hey, I really think that You should you should come out, which um, I think when you're in the birth zone, because you're not using your like logical brain, you're using your instinctual brain, you can't really think about decisions or make choices, you're just like this is what I want and this is all I know that I want, so when someone's kind of asking you the same question again or encouraging you to do something that maybe you don't want to do, I almost felt like I kind of just did it, so they stopped talking, you know, like, you're annoying me now, I'm just going to do this, even though I don't really want to, and, like, yeah, I was a little bit annoyed by that at the time, but just in this birth zone, so, anyway, we moved out into the lounge, um, just on a birth mat that I had made, um, out of, like, a duvet and some sheets and stuff, which was also a really fun thing to do during my pregnancy, Um, and, yeah, just on my hands and knees, and just kind of feeling it, not really knowing what I'm meant to do, but when I feel like to push, to push, and so, yeah, that's what I was doing, and then, um, I feel like the midwife was maybe worried about this lip again, the cervical lip, which annoyed me again, um, a little bit, because there was the same story that I had throughout my, um, labour with Bindi, and I learned a little bit throughout my pregnancy with Wolf that maybe the cervical lip isn't like a real thing, like it's a thing, but it's not something that would impact your baby or your birth too much that we should really be worried about, so this story was kind of annoying me because I just wanted to, yeah, I was like get out like I'm doing it, Um, and then I also got not, yeah, this, I'm like being careful about my language, but... Um, was asked to do another VE and so I I ended up just doing that so that they would stop asking me which was a little bit annoying so they got me to sit on my back and they did it while I was on my back and I was writing these contractions It was quite painful and I was annoyed but I was like let's just do it once so we can you know just continue and so I was kind of feeling like The labour and the birth was everything that I wanted, but there was multiple points throughout the labour that I felt like they were trying to derail it and bring me back to the hospital and that it was going to be the same story that it was last time and just planting those little bits of doubt um, in my mind on my body that you know I have talked to them about it since and they have said that's not their intention and they're just trying to give you like a full picture and conform like informed consent and all these things but I just um wasn't in the space to to hear that at that time
0: yeah I think I think it speaks to doesn't it their lack of trust in your process and your knowledge your knowledge that baby is fine and I am fine and I don't need this um and so that that lack of their trust in your process can instill some unnecessary fear like well they're the professionals they're the midwives they've got this expert knowledge maybe I can't trust myself then as well so um yeah it's it's it can seem like you know, it sort of sounds like you're, you said before, I'm going to be careful of my language. It's like, no, don't be careful of your language. You know, it wasn't a little bit annoying. It was not okay. And it was messing with, um, yeah, your ability to just get on and do what you knew you could do. Um, And so, yeah, I I think we can have this tendency to, um, minimize what these. Well, you know, like most people get vaginal examinations. It's not that big of a deal. Like, uh, you know, I, I should just let them do it. No, it is a big deal. It is a big deal. And um, and so yeah, I love that you're speaking into this. I don't think it. I I don't think the intention of these midwives um, is ever. A bad one. I don't think that at all. I think it's coming from a place of the culture that, they've, you know, come through in the midwifery programme and and the fear that's instilled in us around birth and their, you know, the their regulatory kind of um, body that's overseeing their work and uh, enabling them to maintain their certification and all those sorts of things they're going to impact that's going to impact them like the midwife might have believed that your baby was fine and that she might have believed that you you know when you said no I know my baby's fine I don't really I don't really need the heartbeat to be listened to. Um, She may have well believed that, but knew that if it wasn't in your records that she had listened to the fetal heart and put it down, what it was, that that might have negative consequences for her if, God forbid, your baby, you know, there had been issues. So so I think the intention isn't to undermine you and your process. The intention is to feel safe in their own practice, right? To feel like they are doing what is required of them as a midwife in order to maintain their their certification. And I'm sure that this, you know, this this will form part of the story as we go on to talk about your current pregnancy and your plans for that, right? Like, um, you know, we think if we're giving birth at home, with obviously a home birth midwife present, that that's, that's the very thing we're avoiding, is this kind of introduction of these um, unnecessary interventions and unnecessary kind of like fear um, instilling kind of experiences. Um, and that's not necessarily the case. And some midwives definitely, um, you know, do... Do work outside of the system, like they, you know, they really. Um, uh, it's it's all about the woman's autonomy over and above them, you know, um, uh, doing what they are supposed to be doing as a, you know. Right, <laughs> oh, totally, and I
1: think that these concerns, or maybe like protocols or processes that these midwives have, or even when you're talking to other women these stories of like of what happened in the hospital that everything they're concerned of, you know, when I talk about having a home birth or a, that they go, but what if? I think those are real concerns and they're real things that happen, but within that system. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, this is these people's real truth and this does happen a lot and these are real risks, but because we're in the system. And so, um, yeah, I just think coming completely out of that and then people being like are you not worried about x y and z it's like no I'm not because actually the hospital was is where those things happen and so that was something that I really heard of all these traumatic stories and the c-sections and the inductions and the episiotomies and the von Teus and all these births they don't happen at home you Mm -hmm. know they don't happen at home and of course they don't happen at home because we don't have the tools there for them Chelsea but um also the transfer rate is a lot smaller and mm-hmm. so yeah a lot of people will tell me but what if and I say but okay so what if there is a real emergency I will call an ambulance mm-hmm. Of course, like mm-hmm. I'm not yeah and it's that simple and they go oh you can kind of just see their mind going oh okay like you don't need everyone and their dog standing at the door ready to go like if there's an emergency you can ask for help then and yeah yeah so it's it's interesting and so kind of circling back to my um, just about to birth my son I'm back on my hands and knees and I just um, had heard about this ring of fire and so I'm quite excited for this ring of fire because I never experienced it with my daughter and I remember feeling him right there. The idea like being in labor about to birth and reaching down and feeling your baby's head even though you know you're pregnant and you've been connecting with him throughout the pregnancy like actually feeling a baby right there but still in your body like oh my goodness I can't even explain it like it was wow I'm actually no there's no way I can go back now like that baby's coming out like it's it's happening so that was just my gosh okay like he's okay I know he's okay I didn't even know he was a he at that point but um yeah, so it was kind of just a a really big push. I kept the midwife kept telling me that every contraction I was having, I'd push and then as soon as I would kind of feel that burn or that ring of fire, I'd kind of back off a little bit. Just so she was like I need you to kind of push through it. Like I need you to feel it and go anyway. So that's what I did. Um and baby came out, you know. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know enough to be like should i have pushed through it or should i not have at at this
0: point but um, Um, what what do you think would have happened chelsea if the midwives had not been there i mean specifically around you just said you know the head was right there you were feeling the 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 burning sensation so that you would push and then you'd feel that like stinging pain and you'd stop pushing and the midwife told you to override that you know sort of push past that what do you think would have played out had the midwife not been there, had you not had that person saying that to you?
1: I think it would have taken me maybe a little bit longer to get baby out, but either baby would have come out um, or I would have figured that out myself to kind of like, okay, we're kind of going back and forth in the same place, like let's just give it a big one, or that, you know, my, my body would have naturally
0: you know just done it anyway yeah your body would have done it anyway just like all those animals out in the farms here in New Zealand that give birth That they don't need to be told when or how to push their babies out and it would it's a a very rare thing that the baby would get stuck or there'd be issues right like or that the baby would be born compromised so I yeah I asked that question because um one of my main bugbears in this you know birth trauma work that I do is hearing about the interferences with the pushing phase of labour and how there is the so many kind of I guess myths that perhaps midwives um bring into the birth space about and not all midwives obviously but a lot. Um, about what their role is when it comes to this pushing phase and how that's supposed to safely occur. And actually, what if we just freaking trusted women to know how to birth their baby? Because obviously we do. It's an innate thing. You know, nature doesn't require there to be someone from the outside going, okay, this is what you need to do now. Your body knows what to do and it's going to birth your baby. Um, and you know, like a lot of people do have that, um, you know, they talk about the baby bungeeing, um, kind of like, you know, coming and going, coming and going and, um, and, and being advised by the midwife to kind of write, like, we need to get the, you know, the baby born or, um, you need to give real good push, but actually that kind of, um, burning and then easing off because you're stopping pushing or um, the baby coming up and down and taking its time is really really helpful in terms of allowing your tissues to really stretch up so I wonder how many you know bad tears for instance might be occurring because people aren't doing what their body they're overriding their body's messaging yeah, yeah I- I have a story from my first birth, where I was birthing at home um, in the in the water. Um, I was a midwife when I had my first first baby, you know, like that's what I've been doing for a couple of years, so I kind of kind of knew the stuff, but <laughs> but um, yeah, I was like, oh, it really hurt you know, that ring of fire. my goodness. And I said out loud, just push past the pain, just push past the pain. And your midwife said, Carla, your body's going to do it for you anyway. And it was a good reminder that, yeah, I don't need to be pushing past anything that, you know, I can just trust my body's going to get through this. I don't need to override my body messaging or my what my body is doing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's interesting, isn't it? Like all these stories, um, that we kind of create or that we're told that maybe looking back on them change you know one well, yeah it is interesting because um yeah so anyway my son comes out I did have a little bit of a tear so we'll talk about that in a second um but yeah I I remember an, I knowing he was going to come out he came out all in one like straight all already. Wow. yeah so it was really exciting and I did actually try to catch him myself like I just knew and then I reached down to catch him um and yeah it's my memory is a little bit fuzzy so I don't know if my midwife took him off me or she kind of override my catch or something but um she's holding him in the photos but I that video that like there's like a live photo that I have I do go to catch him and then he's like not taken from my hands, but he's not in my hands, so, um, yeah, which, now, again, another thing that kind of annoys me a lot, actually, about it, that I, probably a lot to do with my birth with Bindi, that I just wanted my baby for myself, you know, like, he's mine, and, yeah, so, um, yeah, there was a lot of, like, rubbing him, and with the towels, and, that I didn't want to happen and I remember looking at that and knowing I didn't want to happen, but I'm so exhausted and I've just had a baby and all these things are happening. So I didn't say anything. Um, so maybe that's a bit on me and that's, you know, whatever. So, um, yeah, (laughs) no, not not on me because I didn't say anything, but I I also didn't say anything, you know what I mean? So, Mm
0: -hmm. um, yeah, I'm sitting here kind of shaking my head. Like, <laughs> <laughs> <the listeners can't... laughs> but anyway, uh, but, yeah, yeah so, yeah. so, you know, I, I I, think that that there is a lot of disturbance that is happening unjustifiably. Um, we've got to remember that this is um, not our baby. This is the mother's baby. This is their moment. And we need to leave that particular piece of the story especially undisturbed yep. we should not be putting our hands on a newborn baby or interfering with that moment where a mama's meeting her baby where they're meeting each other for the first time outside of you know being kind of one body um unless we are seriously concerned about something even yeah. then there's usually a bit of time because the placenta you know even if the baby's born looking quite compromised that placenta is still attached the, the cord is still passing nutrients oxygen to the baby like let's just give it a moment give them a moment at least yeah. and watch but don't touch don't interfere yeah. yeah
1: yeah so i do yeah i yeah have lots of photos of me holding him and I'm just in so much oh my gosh I did it like in the photos I'm looking at my husband like oh my gosh I did it I can't believe I really like I have a baby out of me at home like wow you know so I'm um, so my daughter's still asleep down the hall. it's only like probably 2 30 I think it's 2 30 a.m by now and my husband came home at about 11 o'clock so um yeah so that was so exciting um but yeah just seeing like my son I remember picking him back up onto my chest and he wasn't covered in that white I forget the name of it yes and I wanted I was so excited to see that and to you know to just be immersed fully in like in natural birth so I was quite upset that that was removed and washed off
0: but um, yeah, it was husband, rubbed off him, because especially if you went into labour at 38 weeks, he probably would have had more vernix than most babies.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah, so he was, um, yeah, just the towel and the rubbing had kind of taken it off, and my husband wasn't so upset that that was removed, because he thought it was a little bit, a little bit gross, no, but... Um, yeah, I was, I was quite upset that that was removed because I just wanted to be all in it and just experience it all as, it, as it's supposed to be. So um, yeah, just held him. I held him like for quite a long time. I tried to feed him, but his cord was quite short, so I couldn't really get into a good position. So um, just waited until the placenta was born. And um, I loved that part. Like, is that strange? I loved birthing the placenta. I was just like, I hadn't seen a placenta before, I didn't get to see mine with Bindi. Um saw like the baby attached to the placenta, it was just wow, like it was amazing and um, yeah, I said, well how do I even get this placenta, like what happens, is it a certain amount of time and um, midwife said, oh if you kind of feel like a, a, a contraction again or a small little, you know, you can kind of just push and see what happens and it kind of just slid out and I was like wow yeah it's so exciting and yeah I just loved it like it was I just loved it took so many photos and then was showing so many people after my birth like look at the placenta and they're like I don't want to see that (laughs) I was just like what do you mean it's so amazing so yeah I was just in love with the whole thing of it I still have it in my freezer which I need to figure out but um (laughs) yeah yeah, it was really cool. It was really cool just seeing all of that process. Um, I do remember actually when my when the original when the backup midwife arrived at my house that she was putting something in my fridge. She put something in my fridge, um, and I asked her, "What is that? What are you doing with my fridge?" And she said, "It was the drug that they um."
0: So it's more that synthotosen in, in case yeah you have a bleed or you know they they need to help get the placenta. Boost, yeah
1: yeah and she had said to me just maybe the way that she had worded it I said what is that for and she said it's for when it's to help you birth the placenta and that again ramped me up because I said I've told people I don't want that like get it mm-hmm. out of my house so I was like get it out of my fridge you know so yeah there's lots of little things that kind of had set me off and annoyed me about the process but I was just so in the zone of like I'm um keeping this safe and I'm not letting someone else derail it and I'm not letting anyone ship me to the hospital and whatever so yeah my baby was in my arms the placenta's out I had like in a wee bowl next to me I'm feeding him and he latched perfectly like so perfectly and I was just such a um healing you know from the experience I had, had with my daughter with breastfeeding and everything so it was just so natural and normal um I did really want to do, like, have the breast crawl with him, like, I really wanted to do that, um, he was born two weeks early, obviously, we know that, but he was only, like, 513, he was really, really small, and there was something that I noticed straight away when he was born, like, he had dark hair, which my whole entire family has, like, bleached blonde hair, um, and then he was so small, and I was like, wow, he's tiny, like, this is crazy, and so, um, I wanted to do this breast crawl, so I kind of put him into the position to do that, like, just on my tummy, Um, And the midwife, again, had told me that she didn't want me to do that because he's so small. So we don't want to use his energy to, you know, that I should just help him out. So that, again, annoyed me Mm -hmm. a lot. Um, And because he was so small, he fed fine. Everything was great after that. Um, But because he was so small, there was a lot of stories about getting him to the hospital. Um, to check him out and uh, you know he's so small and small babies have trouble um, keeping themselves warm and it's the middle of winter and just all of these stories that I was not buying into at all um, and I thought man like I've gone through this whole entire labor and birth he's out we're both safe there's nothing wrong I'm not going to go to the hospital now like you know like everything's already happened and this baby's fine and he's doing all the things and he's feeding fine and my daughter's asleep down the hall. I'm not waking her up, you know. Like all these things, I was like, no, I'm. There's no way I'm going to the hospital. But it was something they kind of kept bringing up throughout the after the birth, and then for even a couple of days after when they came to check on me postnatally as well. So, um, yeah, I had a little tear. I think they called it like a second degree or something, which I've learned a little bit now again about tears and degrees and these being stories and stuff as well. Um, and so the midwife had, she had, like, this stuff there to be able to stitch me in, at the home. Um, and again, this is, like, another question that I kind of had, which I'm like, why did I ask that? Because she told me, like, I can stitch you here while you're holding your son. Everything's fine. Um, and I said, what if I don't? What if I don't get it stitched? Like, what happens? Does it just stay open? Does it heal back together by itself? Like, what happens? And I think... Yeah, again, me just asking that question, like I had asked the doctor, what if I don't get induced? What happens? Um, was just my like instinct being like, you don't need to, you know. Um, it kind of threw everyone off in the room, like, oh, that's not usually something that people ask, or they always want to get stitched up, or they're worried about what down there looks like after birth and things, and she's not. Um yeah, I ended up getting stitched because they said it heals better or it's nicer to look at or some silly thing. Um But, yeah, I always think about, why did I ask that? So now I'm learning again what I've learned about naturally tearing, naturally healing. Um, I just think it was that instinct in me to be like, you're fine. Like, stop letting people tell you or help you heal or help you birth. Or, you know, you are actually made and designed to do this. And I think, you know, as humans – when we've been created to birth, we have all these backups and we have all these tools and these things within us to to help for the backup, you know? So, yeah, so it's interesting. But, yeah, they tucked us into bed really quickly, um, which, again, <laughs> maybe I'm a very easily annoyed person, but I just wanted to kind of sit up and be in that newborn bubble and, oh, my gosh, I've just had my son. I wasn't tired at all now because I'm full of the hormones and I had that initial... I love this baby so much so I was just like high on all of that and I just wanted to sit up and be in that but it was probably like 6am now my daughter like woke up around 8am usually so my husband's like let's go to bed so we can get at least an hour's sleep and you know everything so I was like oh I don't want to but okay so I did um the midwife was a little bit thrown off that when she tucked us into bed I didn't have like a bed or a cough or a bassinet um set up for baby because I knew we'd co-sleep from day one since I did that with my daughter so um yeah so yeah there was a my daughter woke up in the morning and she came through jumped into bed as she always did and I said Benny look you've got a wee brother and she was just like her face I can like see that still on her face she's like oh my goodness like a real baby um because I don't know she probably knew but she didn't know I was in labor when I put her to bed so that was really exciting she's just like this magical gift arrived while I was sleeping and that's cool so the first time she's ever slept through the night in her whole life (laughs) was the night I was up all night um giving birth to her brother so
0: yeah wow what an amazing story Chelsea um it's it's so awesome to hear you relay that and I particularly loved the piece about you talking about might sound a bit crazy, and I, I'm thinking this isn't crazy at all, but I felt like a wild animal, and no, totally, that's how you're supposed to feel. That's, you know, that's that's you being completely out of that thinking brain and totally in your primal, your um, primitive brain that just, yeah, knows how to get your baby born and to protect your birth space. I love that you were shutting people out and that you were, you know, um, yeah, protecting yourself and your baby. Uh, Yeah. Um, I know that
1: looking back in hindsight now that that's what was happening and the the hormones and the instinctual, you know, was just moving me in the home. But, um, yeah, at the time, I think I just thought I was stubborn and my husband was laughing a little bit at, you know, how aggressive I was because it's not – how I am usually day to day so it was quite yeah funny but it's cool to look back at it and realize wow like my body was really doing what it was needed and I was just kind of moving without even
0: any um intention on moving you know yeah yeah cool and super empowering right like what a different position experience to begin motherhood from if you compare how you felt following wolf's birth to how you felt immediately after bindi's birth you can i'm sure you can feel that like how much better primed you were to instinctively mother wolf yeah
1: i think um and it was, it was obvious, you know, I felt that burst of love. I felt that I just want to hold him all the time and not because I'm worried of someone will take him from me, but just I want to. Like I want to have him on me and I want to feed him and do all of these things. And, yeah, when Bindi got placed next to me, I wasn't able to really move a lot, but I just remember looking at her like, what the heck do I do? You know, which it broke my heart because I know she's my daughter, but I didn't feel that same. Yeah, so it was such a healing process, the whole thing, the birth, the labour, the pregnancy, and the postpartum, and the attachment, um, but really um, just shows, because I think there was such a, another story about an alive baby and mother being the best outcome for birth, which is obviously, yes, like that's what we want, but there's so much more that stems from birth, you know, how you mother, your entry into motherhood, these babies, you know, everything is so much, like maybe not just being alive is like good enough i think that really enabling the whole process to thrive and the milk and the hormones and the connection is is it's just as if if not more important so yeah,
0: yeah yeah you know like far out that's such a low bar to set to say you know the goal is a is a live mother and infant yeah we know how incredibly important you know um this postpartum journey is and that is so powerfully influenced by our experience of birth how we are treated how we um yeah how we like i just said before begin that mothering journey what sort of sense of self we have in that moment are we trusting our bodies are we trusting our instincts or are we feeling like a complete failure and like we don't know what the what the hell are we supposed to do and it doesn't even feel like our baby and I have to rely on all the experts to tell me what to do and you know um so I felt
1: like sorry I felt like that as well because I had outsourced throughout my pregnancy my birth with Bindi once she was born I continued to outsource and what do I do now and how do I look after her and stuff so I didn't feel that with Wolf I could just really mother him Mm -hmm. naturally um yeah and so obviously that's so telling but then it really um confirmed that I was a good mother to Bindi as well and so that was really healing of like reconnected me with her and um stopped listening to you know the doctors about how where they should be at three weeks and six weeks and all this silly stuff so um yeah it just really was like a full picture of going into motherhood before Bindi and being like I have no idea what to do and kind of like Wanting someone to save me and um, just feeling like I was a baby myself, you know. Mm-hmm. To now mothering wolf, so um, like anyone questioned me, I w- it never rocked me because I was so solid on what I was doing. I was so knowing and yeah. You know, okay, that's your story, but I know what I'm doing. And yeah, it really kind of blew me up as as a mom. His whole since he's been on this earth, um, has completely exploded me as a person and a mother. Just in all those ways so and more yeah so, so it's really a powerful
0: beautiful wicked and what has this meant for you're pregnant again like congratulations that's uh-huh. exciting yeah. um how is this how have these experiences uh influenced what your outlook is for this current pregnancy and birthing journey
1: yeah so during my pregnancy with wolf. I had heard of these things called wild pregnancy and free birth and um, I was curious. I was like oh that's a bit crazy but I'm curious you know um, and every time I'm ever curious on something in my life I'm always like why you know because a lot of things I'm not curious about and I just write off and or scroll past or carry on you know um, but these things I was I was really curious on and I was like not judgmental on them but I thought that's not for me, but I couldn't stop watching, you know, I was, like, still watching and interested in it, so um, I mentioned it to my husband a couple of times um, throughout, you know, just postpartum Wolf. I think next time I want a free birth, and he thought, no way, you're so crazy, and why can't you just do things, you know, how you're meant to do them, and first you wanted the birth unit, now you wanted home birth, now you want a free birth, you know, like, oh, Charles, you know, can't I just expect something with you, but of course not, um, yeah, so, I had mentioned it, and then I thought, nah, I probably won't do that, because my husband just feels on edge, and, you know, he will be at the birth, so I don't want his worry to impact me, because it will, you know, um, it will, if I sense he's feeling fear, then I'll take that on, so I'm like, oh, you know, I have to keep him safe as well, which some people would suggest don't, just don't invite him, but <laughs> yeah, that's another story, but um yeah, so I mentioned it, I thought about it, but I thought, nah, it's probably not for me, and then when I got pregnant, I just keep, like, it's just on my mind, so much to the fact that I was asking people, even before I had told my own family that I was pregnant, about their free birth, and they were directing me, and um, I asked my beautiful friend Bella about her free birth, and she directed me to her podcast um, with you on, on this, and I listened to that, and I was just like, just really cemented it, just really cemented that maybe I'm curious and being pulled this way for a reason, and if anything that I think about throughout my pregnancy or throughout my birth that I didn't like, um, it was from someone in the system, you know, so I thought, maybe the way to avoid that, and to really know that my pregnancy and birth will be what I want and need it to be, not just what I want it to be, but what I need it to be for my family and my baby, um, to just remove that, to just take that out of the picture, Um, which seems very obvious, but is a little bit crazy in this day and age, you know what I mean, so um, yeah, I really dived into that and thought about it, and my husband and I are actually in the process of moving countries throughout um, this pregnancy. So it kind of was just like another sign of, well, that makes it a lot easier, a lot simpler to not have to transfer cares and sort out new midwives and it just takes that whole part out of it. So, um, yeah. So that that's the plan is to have this wild pregnancy and free birth. I'm thinking we'll possibly might have a couple of um, ultrasounds just because I think they're really exciting and I had good experience with them. Um, last time like if you know just like let's say the 20-week scan and that be it rather than those um, later scans um, you know like in the third trimester Um, and we've found a place in in Canterbury that will let kids come so I thought that could be like a cool little thing to do and the kids could see and stuff but other than that there's yeah we've just I'm just gonna carry on my life and just be pregnant (laughs) <laughs> and then just go into labor and, and birth my baby so so yeah it's the more I learn about it the more I talk about it it's so obvious and natural to me because like you just get pregnant and then you're pregnant and then you just give birth and that's as simple as it can be but I think we put in all these checks and check with the person if it's okay and right does this person say you're allowed to do that and yeah and I'm just like that's a bit it's a bit silly, isn't it, and every um, prenatal appointment that I had had during both of my pregnancies, I, you know, obviously I'm aware that these women, these midwives are mothers themselves usually, and they're busy, and I have no idea what else they've seen throughout um, their day or their week, but I did often feel like, just like get in, get out, just kind of a number, just kind of a checkbox, and I really wanted to have a relationship with someone who's going to be there while I'm birthing my baby, like they're my best friend, you know, and I was talking to my husband about this not long ago, and I thought maybe my expectation on that is too high, and like I, you know, this is a medical professional, how can I want them to be like my best friend, Um, but also not really willing to compromise on that, so therefore just take it out of the picture. And yeah, so I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm allowed to be picky with that stuff. (laughs) Yeah, for the best interest of me and my, my baby and my family.
0: You sure are. This is your body and your baby and your birth. And you know only too well how profoundly impactful how they enter the world is. Mm on your relationship with your baby on your relationship to yourself on your family dynamics on so much it it has such potent impacts. And you're taking what you've learned through your very different birth experiences. And you're saying, Okay, what do I need? What does this baby need? What do we need as a family in order to give ourselves the birth experience we deserve, the start to this next phase of family life that we all deserve. Yeah. How can we best set ourselves up for that? And mm-hmm. um, and I just think that's freaking awesome. I think you're amazing, Chelsea. And I'm like so excited to follow your journey. Um, and, you know, m- maybe if it feels right for you, um after this next baby is born you might want to come back on the podcast and share your story like Bella did you know we had a couple of um interviews with Bella before well like while she was pregnant um with her second baby and then an interview afterwards where she and it was some time after because it took a little bit of time to for her to just process the whole experience and to just um be with the experience before she was ready to share but if you get to a point in the piece where you're like yeah I I'm ready and want to share gosh it would be amazing to get you back on totally
1: I'm so excited about it and just um, just so again so conscious of being aware of other people's fear that they can put on us when we share about this and when we talk about it and just being really protective of that and also knowing like knowing why that it's not just a random thing that I you know want to do it's actually to to have the best outcome and I and I know that so um yeah just really taking all the things that I felt mess with it out of the picture is is quite exciting because I feel like it will just be such a pure and easy and simple process um yeah yeah, just I just like feel like I've got
0: so much to say on it, but can't find the words right now. But you've uh, done an amazing job. It's been beautiful, um, and I just want to reflect on something you just said. You know that there will be people who judge, um, who think that you're crazy for wanting to go through your pregnancy and birth without a quote unquote professional present, uh, they will think that you are choosing a nice birth experience over safety. And that is a consequence of of the system, of the conditioning, um, of the the fear that has been instilled into most of us from day dot around birth and the mistrust um, and this kind of um, uh, trust and faith in medicine and in, in medical people um so but I want to reiterate for anybody who <laughs> who may have that kind of stance that every mother um wants a safe outcome for their baby that every that in fact she more than anybody on the planet wants a safe outcome for her baby so if she is choosing to, you know, thinking of the January harsh quote, but um, birth alone in the woods next to a baby deer, <laughs> or if she is choosing an elective caesarean despite being told that, you know, she um, could well have, a, you know, a straightforward vaginal birth. And any things she's choosing in between those those um, various sort of poles Uh, she is choosing that and the belief that that is what is going to bring her and her baby the safest and most rewarding outcomes.
1: Yeah, 100%, 100%. And I'm really excited for also how this um, flows onto my children as well Um, for, you know, when they go on to become mothers and fathers themselves because I do feel like so much of what I knew and believed about birth came from my family um, which was that fear of hospital and c-sections and things so I'm really excited to kind of debunk that all for my kids and just hope that they can um, be excited about birth and not think it's a scary or um, the you know quote-unquote the worst part of being a woman actually it's the one of the best parts of it you know and Bindi already tells me every day she's going to be there with me and she said make sure you wake me up this time mom so (laughs) she's excited and I just I would just love to be able to give her that as well to be like this is a normal thing that you know women do and it doesn't have to be scary and with all the lights and the doctors and stuff so
0: yeah. So important and I love that so much um it it reminded me of a piece of your story that at felt incredibly relatable to me, which is when you were describing, you were like, you know, it was painful, but I was actually like, I was kind of like welcoming it. I was like, yeah, you know, sort of bring it on. This is this feels really like um you were sort of talking about the growing intensity and how it was exciting rather than scary. How, you know, yeah, it's painful, but that kind of felt like this epic challenge (laughs) that I was kind of like (laughs) overcoming using my own resources like I can so relate to that and I think it is such a gift to be um, sharing that experience with our children but also you are on here sharing this on the podcast and who knows how many people will be listening to this and go oh it can be like that yeah that could be my story next time Yeah and I think
1: it's I think that's why because I always um, you know sometimes I would list myself as an oversharer and I always go why like why do I feel the need to overshare these experiences or tell everyone or tell as many people as I can about them and truly I just think if I had stumbled across something um, like this when I was pregnant with Bindi that maybe I would have stopped and listened and maybe I would have just thought about it and I just want people to know that you don't have to Birth doesn't have to be the best day and the most traumatic day of your life. That shouldn't just be normal. It can just be the best day. And yes, it's painful and yes, it's a huge um, transition, but it, it can be just great. It doesn't have to be bad as well. And yeah, I wish more people would just go into birth and not come out traumatized or with a horrible story I just wish everyone could experience a boring birth you know that it's just boring and there's nothing extra exciting and you just go into labor and you birth your baby and you feel great and that yeah I think I think we really could get there if people just knew and stopped um reading and watching all the all the things they want us to believe you know yeah
0: yeah I love that there's um, a podcast called Normal Bo- Normal Boring Birth um, that Victoria, um, who I've had on the podcast as well, um, she she hosts that, um, which is an awesome, she's a free birther herself. And um and and also reminds me of a line in, in one of the stories in my book, um, where the mum says like something like, um, I'm paraphrasing, but in our house we cook the meals and we mop the floors and we birth our babies. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. another part of family life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. It's, it's extraordinary and completely ordinary both at once and it's such a the, the beautiful paradox of birth.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually explained it to my um friend the other day we were talking about birth and, you know, when it thrives and when it does and the things and I kind of um compared it to going to the toilet (laughs) which is maybe not the most ladylike way to describe it but you know I think if you think about it in the same sense of um usually when you go away on holiday or if you're in a public toilet and things these things are more difficult to do Mm -hmm. and it's easy and simple to do at home in your environment that you know um especially if you were to have doctors and people poking and prodding at you you probably would need help to finish the job rather than just being left alone to it so it's obviously a little bit more of a bigger process (laughs) having a baby but it's essentially the same you
0: know so yeah yeah your body is going through a a normal physiological process and there is going to be things that support you to be able to do that more easily than others right like that's going to support that physiology or going to interfere with it yeah
1: exactly yeah
0: Yeah, beautiful. Oh, Chelsea, we better wind this up. We've been like chatting for a couple of hours now um, and I have loved every second of it. And I am so grateful uh, that you've come on here and shared your story. You reached out to me, which I love, um, and said, hey, I've got a story. I don't know if it's, you know, you you want me on your podcast. Um, So if anybody's listening and they're like, oh, maybe Carla would want me on her podcast, um, get in touch because, yeah, I'm always... um, always looking for new stories and yeah so grateful thank you Chelsea and all the best for an amazing pregnancy and birth thank
1: you no seriously thank you so much for having me I just felt real big pull to share it and um it's been amazing it's been amazing I was nervous about making sure I got the story right and I feel like yep that was exactly what I wanted to say so yeah I hope someone listening um, makes an impact on at least one person because I would have loved to have that for myself um, with my first pregnancy so yeah I'm excited and um, maybe we could be talking again in less than a year's time and yeah I'd love to do that that'd be awesome awesome
0: thanks so much Chelsea of course thank you bye If you enjoyed that episode, please spread the love by sharing this podcast with others and ensuring you subscribe and hit that five-star review. And if you'd like to connect with me, you can get hold of me via Instagram at healing.birth and through my website, healingbirth.co.nz. I would love to hear from you, whether that's so you can share feedback or suggestions, or because you're potentially interested in healing with me, training with me to become a healing birth practitioner. Let's do it. Aroha nui you beautiful people.